नमस्ते माई नेम इज अमोक एंड वेलकम टू माई पॉडकास्ट आई हैव बिन वॉन्टिंग टू स्टार्ट दिस पॉडकास्ट फॉर क्वाइट सम टाइम नाउ एंड वन ऑफ द प्राइमरी रीजन्स बिहाइंड दैट वुड बी टू मेक सेंस ऑफ द वर्ल्ड अराउंड अस वॉट इज द वर्ल्ड अराउंड अस हाउ डू वी अंडरस्टैंड इट हाउ डू वी एक्ट इन इट हाउ डू वी एक्ट इन इट इन सच अ वे दैट इट बेनिफिट्स अस दीज आर एथिकल क्वेश्चन्स for a long time i've battled this idea in my head and it's an ethical problem what takes precedence between truth and compassion let me clarify what each term means by precedence i mean how would i act as my first response to a situation would i do the right thing and damn the consequences or damn the right thing and prevent undue misery this old story comes to mind one that my mother told me uh, once a deer comes running uh, into an ashram looking for a place to hide from some hunters he sees a rishi there and asks him not to tell the hunters where he is and then he hides when the hunters eventually come to the ashram and ask the rishi about the deer he promptly tells them the truth the deer while dying from an arrow wound places a curse upon the rishi because of his cruelty now there were two clear choices before the rishi one was to tell the truth as his vow as an ascetic would demand and live with the fact that he was responsible for the death of the deer and the other would be to lie and break his vow in order to save the innocent deer from the hunters this is what i mean by ethical questions according to me uh, such ethical questions rarely have right or wrong answers only personal choices and mind you it's not necessary that truth and compassion always appear with a big versus symbol in between them it's entirely possible that they coincide i just gave you an example now i am a scientific researcher by training and all the best researchers and scientists have strong ethics and principles not only while conducting experiments but also about the ownership of data um as a primer in research ethics uh, we were given this problem to think about uh, commonly referred to as the jessica banks problem now in short it's explained like this jessica banks a phd student working with professor hayward collected data on some three different problems but she chose to continue working on one of them because of better availability of grants she defended her dissertation finished her phd and took a job somewhere else planning to continue research on one of the other two topics she came back to her old office to take the data uh, and then professor hayward asked her what she was doing she told him that she was there to collect data but he denied her permission because he had procured the initial grants for that project she argues that she had collected the data but he says that the data belongs to the university and he plans to continue working on it with another student she goes back and meets a classmate paul he tells her that she generated all the data and hence she has a right to the data he also tells her that she could copy the data over the weekend since professor hayward would be out of town it's only fair the question is what should she do 
these questions are not just head scratchers questions like these form the basis of ethical systems laws economic policies political equations and even social relationships in general the ambiguity is not always in the questions it is in the way a person thinks about the questions and their idea of a solution to them it is reflected in almost every conversation we have each person comes with a moral compass which is uniquely calibrated people more often than not act based on this moral compass they buy products from companies that engage in philanthropy they appreciate movies with social messages some of which are highly impactful they vote for people who appear the most upstanding and responsible there's at least some credible evidence to say that trust drives business so if emotions drive actions so strongly we must try to understand how they work or even better how we can use them for our benefit for some time i've also wrestled with this question of to feel or not to feel many authors of the tradition of romanticism have described emotions as irrational and as screens that distort reality and it's not without reason multiple studies in the fields of like decision making social behavior economics etc have described how emotions affect actions and what consequences are manifested while almost none of these studies make a value judgment on the desirability of influence of emotions on decisions and actions um, it is clear that rationality is a positive predictor of objectively better outcomes subject to available of availability of knowledge in short more dispassionate and logical decisions are most often the best also it's a general understanding among people that emotions interfere with their lives which leave them open to exploitation by vested interests people with overly sentimental dispositions are often vulnerable to emotional blackmail getting guilt tripped or even political propaganda this being the case according to me it is patently undesirable to stand in the wake of this knowledge and continue to act on the basis of feelings rather than facts the aim of my podcast is not to tell people what to believe about anything it's merely an exercise in self questioning and skepticism of any orthodox point of view this is not to be understood as such that i am in a state of default acceptance of any heterodoxy but uh, the thing is by definition heterodox opinions are not popular so there's little danger that they pose to anyone it is often popular ideas that get corrupt and then develop too much of an inertia you can't change them one of my missions is to challenge such ideas and see if they stand our scrutiny and make this assault on these ideas as publicly as possible so that the listener can make decisions for themselves i make no claims of being unbiased i realize that bias is probably something that cannot be gotten rid of but i am of the firm opinion that we can function in spite of the bias by relying on objectivity that means 
by being independent of personal feelings or opinions and relying on facts. I look up to the likes of Socrates for inspiration. He was an ancient Greek philosopher and uh, he was known for his skepticism and irreverent nature. It was said about Socrates that he had a daemon inside him that told him what not to do. He was actually put on trial for corrupting the minds of youth and for heresy in Athens. That was because he asked too many questions about gods. He was given a chance to leave Athens because they just wanted to get rid of him. His friends actually implored him to do so. His friends told him that he should go away. But his daemon forbade him. So he accepted his punishment of death because he stood courageously by his principles and refused to bow down to the orthodoxy. That's how principled he was supposed to be. Closer to home, there's an ancient Indian philosophy by the name Charvaka and its beliefs can only be stated uh, to be skeptical of any truth claims unless they were backed by direct experience. The Charvaka or the Lokayat tradition was believed to be first coded by a rishi named Brihaspati. They are often described as materialists, even hedonists. And most Charvak compositions and writings are now lost, so we only know about them as they were described by followers of other schools of thought. Even the word Charvaka itself has several etymological origins uh, explained in literature. One of the meanings stems from the root Charu, which means sweet to listen to or pleasing, and Vaka, which means speech. So they were sweet talkers in a way. The Charvakas are often characterized in ancient stories and epics as amoral or untrustworthy since they questioned many claims in the Vedas and that's also why they accumulated some disrepute. But I respect their philosophy since it resonates with uh, the way I think. Though I am not as well versed with their works as I would like to be, I have read enough to uh, impress my inner skeptic so that's why I respect them. At this point, I would like to strike a distinction between myself and some of the other uh, heterodox thinkers. I see a growing wave of disbelievers as opposed to believers in both the religious and the psychological sense. Those of you who are active on social media must have noticed that there is a rise in radicalism and fundamentalism in some sections of almost every religious group organized or otherwise. And as a response to that, there's also a rise in radical rejection of religion going around. Neo-atheists, whom I do sympathize with because I used to be one of them, often claim that there is no God. That point of view does have at least some merit. I do not really call myself an atheist anymore, but more of an agnost or a skeptic. In this podcast, I plan to question any issue that has the center stage in popular parlance and try to rationalize my positions with respect to that. And the reason to do it out loud is not that I think of myself as smarter than others. I may not be. 
Our thoughts are not exactly extremely organized all the time, which is reflected in the opinions we hold, by the way. Most of our opinions are based on insufficient information, or we have, haven't thought about them enough, or we believe some things just to belong to a certain groupthink. So that's why this podcast is an endeavor to do my thinking aloud and openly and let people listen and then try to reason their own points of view. I sincerely hope that you, the listeners, consider my humble effort worthy of your time and listen to all my podcasts. I strongly encourage you to think about everything that I say and not just agree or disagree, but critically analyze every assumption I make, every leap of logic, every subjective opinion and every value judgment. I appreciate your support. Thank you.